Hey everybody, Mark here. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And we have a fun conversation with Phil Eubank, our senior pastor, where we are wrapping up the rest of the story series. Not only are we doing that, we're also highlighting some of the things that are happening at the volunteer fair this weekend at each campus. Super exciting stuff, as well as giving you all a sneak peek to the series. Well, welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, everybody. My name is Mark. My name is Jessica. And Phil's back with us today. Woo! I'm back. The band's back together. The trio. Mm-hmm. We did it. The Three Musketeers. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> what people call us. Yeah. 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 Phil, I just want to say thank you. And Jessica, kind of thank you mm, mm. Uh, for not calling out my stupid mustache that I have on. I actually on. was going to say I like it. I was going to bring it up today <laughs> in the podcast, I but you started it. I feel like a year or two ago, this mustache would have been like, okay, did you lose a bet? But now they're kind of coming back into style <laughs> and I don't I'm, know I'm how to feel in. about it. Here's the thing you guys need to know about how I feel about Mark Morinishi. I have said to Mark, I wish I could be 5% as cool as you are. Absolutely. So I don't think there's something mm. you could wear or do that wouldn't be this cool. So I, I'm going to test this thing. I was going to say challenge accepted, Go Mark. Yeah. My goodness. It. There was a guy uh, in Colorado. I knew well, mentored him for a bunch of years. Young guy in his 20s named V, which you know he's cool if his first name is Just v. an yeah. initial. Um, but he was kind of the same way, like really cool guy. And uh, he would be able to wear like super high fashion stuff that I just feel like I would laugh at myself if I yeah. wore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he would also, he also had a thing for like NASCAR t-shirts and weirdly he could pull both off. <laughs> yeah. So that's, huh. that's the Mark NASCAR t-shirts. Mm-hmm. I feel like Jubilee could pull I was literally thinking yeah. he He's has like. He's got to have one. <laughs> He's, right? Isn't that a requirement of Florida? If you're from Florida, let us know. He's just supporting yeah. his team. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if he wants to support that team, though. I don't know. But I feel like he could also pull off For both. Sure. I yeah, think. absolutely. Yeah. I literally thought of him when you were saying yeah, that. Maybe I was like, simultaneously. Yeah, maybe. Jubilee, our video yeah. guy, if you haven't, if you've never heard of him. Yep. Yes. That's so funny. Well, I think it was a really cool idea. It was kind of shared by our team here to have people that come on the podcast bring a little bit of something with them. We're in a newer studio space now mm-hmm. that we are trying to decorate a little bit more. And we just want to have little tokens to remind people by um, yeah. as they're here. So Jess and I both haven't brought one in yet. Phil, this is your first time since we've instated this tradition. Mm-hmm. If you're watching along, you'll see some gifts from the San Mateo team Yay. from our campus takeover. We have a kid's t-shirt from a long time ago. Junior brought in a pedal for a guitar and matt brought in a really great looking laundry detergent <laughs> bottle it's fantastic and if uh you haven't been listening to the campus takeovers uh you should go listen to them because they're a great team yeah uh, it's just really it was fun to listen to all of those i listened to the san mateo one this morning and i was mentioning to mark before we started today uh i think what's really fun about san mateo is that team has been together yeah uh, all the same people for a while yeah and uh so you get to kind of hear just a level of familiarity with one another that uh translated really well so mm-hmm. yeah and you'll learn why there's a laundry detergent bottle back there too. exactly yeah i thought that was really fun i get to listen to and and edit some of the podcasts that we do so I heard like the first 15 minutes of just the mics being on and it was the exact same kind of conversation as when the mics yeah. were on. Yeah. Just Junior and Jenny just like chirping at each other. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. 
So fun. Matt trying not to be the smartest guy in the yeah, room yeah, and like yeah. playing it off like I'm yeah. not brilliant. Uh, yeah. She does a pretty good job of most of the time. That's I, definitely I like. Matt, I tell Matt all the time, like, you don't have to pretend to be the smartest guy in the room. You are. Like, it's just yourself, <laughs> yeah. bro. Try having him be your boss Ooh, and geez. him saying things to me. I'm like, you're going to have to translate that for Break me. That down. Yeah. And then him and his best friend, who also used to work here, they would get together and I would just sit there like, I feel like the stupidest person that's ever walked the face of the earth because it was like big word after big word. Yeah, big word. Yeah. <laughs> See, I can't even speak normally. <laughs> I just Come proved on. myself right. Oh my goodness. More coffee. That's fun. good. Well, Jess or Phil, who wants to go first? I can or go I first because I don't want to follow anybody because okay. mine's, mine's me. Um, so f- for those of you who are watching... <clears throat> This is a turkey mug. If you have watched Friends at all, you know this is where this is from. So there's an episode. They're they're kind of known for their Thanksgiving episodes. And one of the episodes, the character Monica, or yeah, it's like a flashback episode, but she puts a turkey on her head to make her boyfriend Chandler laugh. And she puts on these big glasses and a little fez hat and then does a little dance to make him laugh. And it's the first time he says, I love you to her. So that was kind of like a famous scene. So one of my former students actually at the Mountain View campus, shout out Leah Lowe, bought me this mug. The little hat comes off. So you can drink that. out of it. Okay. I've never used it because it's just so cute that I just have it on display. This feels like in a my pretty room. big thing for you to let us I put know. on display here. Yeah, Are you're you okay? welcome. I'm well, Mark said we can swap, we can them, swap out them out eventually. Out so yeah. it's it just sits That's on my desk, awesome. so mm-hmm. it'll still be here. So I know the scene. And yeah. I've seen mm-hmm. it, but I like couldn't place it. Now but now, like, that's an yeah. amazing mug. Isn't that cool? That is so. She fun. said that she had like found one, and then it was like sold out. And so then months later, she like got found it again I and got that. it for me. So if you know me, if you've listened to this at all, I've quoted Friends before. I talk about it all the time. It's a great TV that show, like and a, so it's just very me. That is you. And yeah, I, I also brought another mug. This is also a Thanksgiving, oh, yeah. but this is the one I'm drinking out of. It. I'm not yeah. leaving it here because it's Crate and Barrel. This is the Holiday Armadillo. That's right. Isn't it? Wasn't Hanukkah or something? Right. It was for yes, because he couldn't find uh, a Santa Claus costume. That's right. So he just became the holiday armadillo because he was trying to teach his son about Hanukkah, but then his son wanted Santa. But then he got to teach his son about Hanukkah. (laughs) Somebody for a staff Christmas party in Colorado found a like super legit holiday armadillo thing online. Oh, they're all over the place, yeah. And showed up to our Christmas party (laughs) as the holiday armadillo, like essentially in character. Now I've got the wheel spinning for our Christmas party, what we're doing. It was awesome. (laughs) It was awesome. He's a younger guy and I was like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I... Anytime I uh, interact with like late teens or early 20s that are like, oh, The Office is my favorite show or like Friends and I'm like, what? Like, you were not alive, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's how it all works now. They binged it in two days so yeah like, seriously just so you know we had to wait seven days for the next episode and and we had commercials i yeah. just want you to like yeah know our struggle. and then we had to wait like four months between right. each this season. is our version of what yeah. our parents did to us where they were like i walked to school uphill both ways in the snow without Barefoot, shoes like yeah. that's yep. the this is that that's really funny yeah. yep what did you bring mark so i also brought something coffee themed surprise mm-hmm. that jess and i are on similar Shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, for those that are listening, how would you, how would you describe this? I guess it's a copper-ish looking. Kind of looks like a coffee pour? device that's made. Yeah, it's actually a fun story. Missy and I were traveling, Can I and hold it? yeah, of course. Oh, okay. 
and we were in Greece in Athens, and they want I really wanted Greek coffee, mm. and that was the one they make in the sand, and so they cool. use this thing yeah. to put it in the hot sand. It bubbles up the coffee, and then the grounds rise to the top when it gets too hot, and then they pull it away, and that's how they brew it, and then they pour it into the into your cup. You're not supposed to spoiler alert stir it or shake it. I didn't know that. So I just got a like a mouthful of grounds the first yeah, time yeah. I drank it, but there's they settled down oh, in the bottom settled. and that's how they brew their coffee. Wow. Whoa. So I knew that we all loved coffee and that's that something so that cool. I appreciate about both of you. And so I wanted to bring something in. So that you that got that when you were in Greece. That was in Greece. That looks like it's like something my great grandma would have used. Like Is it just Greek? looks very old. No, just like the the oldness of it. Yeah, it looks very old. <laughs> I don't know how old it is. I don't think it's antique by any means. Okay. But that this is like a very traditional device that yeah. they use. So it probably is based on something they've used for. I don't want you to get uncomfortable with my infatuation of you, but I would say I feel like I could see you pulling off just drinking coffee from that. Don't you feel like you could Absolutely. just like being super low key about it? Like we're all sitting with our cups. <laughs> yeah. I just have like a. a pile of hot sand on my desk and I'm just <laughs> just, just hold up for the camera the coffee cup you are actually using today yeah honestly. I just feel like we're not that's true we're still yeah. sort of on brand yeah. you know this yeah. is like yeah. the Menlo Park version this of is that a cup. gift from the summers actually oh, so look at that. Know me so shout well. out front yeah. of the show mm-hmm it's good. Phil, what did and you And Phil brought a framed picture of Mark that he uh, wants him to exactly. sign. Because... Uh, this is getting weird. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> scary, that was good. I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. Uh, I got him. Yeah, so in uh, message delivery world, there are times to, that where you like you will use a prop or an object. And we were doing um, Summer at the Movie series years ago. Uh, and one of the movies that I did was Iron Man, the first Iron Man, mm. which uh, I really like that movie. Um, and so I found this like kit online and uh, this is like two, f- multiple reasons I like it. One, I like Iron Man. Two, is kind of a fun metaphor that I got to use it for. And three, when the kit showed up, I was like, I hate puzzles. I hate them. Mm. I'm dyslexic. Huh. So following directions and putting grids and stuff together, it just it just does not make sense in my head. <laughs> Thankfully, my son, Greer, our oldest son, who is now 13, and I think he might have been all of 10 when this happened, this is like a wildly complicated thing to put together. And he was like, I'll do it. I oh did not help gosh. him one time. And an hour later, he came back and he was like, here you go, Dad. And I was what? like, what? And, so, oh. and then you just hit this little button and it glows. So I got that's to, so cool. Yeah. So anyway, like I get to uh, be thankful for my son and be thankful for a cool sermon illustration. And be do you remember for, what the that's so cool. illustration was? Um, yeah. So we I talked about how uh, for a lot of us, like the reason that Tony Stark has to wear this in his chest is to keep all this shrapnel out of uh, his heart. Mm. Yep. And uh, so I talked about how sometimes <clears throat> in life, rather than dealing with the stuff we don't want to deal with in our life. We'll use pride and an illusion of control like our chest plate to keep things we don't want to deal with in mm-hmm. our life as far away from us as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but rather than putting this in our heart, God wants to be in our heart and let that stuff flow that he can actually filter it out and help us process it well. That's so, great. Yeah. Fun. So fun. There you go. Well, thanks, Phil. Yeah, of course. That'll look really great. Thanks, Greer. Yeah. <laughs> Thank thanks, you. Yeah. yeah. Friend of the show. Yeah. <laughs> 13-year-old, our youngest mm-hmm. listener. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> I bet he isn't actually. I, it's funny, like, I'm sure you guys have this happen. People will come up to me, sometimes even kids, and they'll be like, 
I listen to you on a podcast. I'm like, what? Yeah, okay, cool. I've That's, never had a kid do that, okay. but I've had people I do that. Think yeah, they listen to podcasts. Yeah. Do they? Yeah, apparently, it might be like when they're in the car with their parents. Oh uh, yeah. So if you're here's what here's my commitment. If you're a kid and you listen to the podcast, define kid. Uh, let's say sub ten, okay. ten, or, ten or under. Okay. If you're ten or under. Uh, let's have a competition that all the kids yeah. that are ten or under, yeah. you submit a thing. Picture, sure. object, whatever that you want on the yes. bookcase. Yes. And we'll put up the best Totally. Ones. Oh, yes. So, yes. Yeah. It's a great idea. Hey, here for it. Thank you. Yeah, we had a lot. We, we pressured. It seemed like that was spontaneous, but we talked about that. In the <laughs> meeting before. Text us at 650-600-0402 if you are listening to this and you're like, my kid is at Mountain View and wants to give you something Don't and worry. we will make sure to come get Absolutely. it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Well, Phil, we just concluded our longest series ever, potentially. Well, for him. For me. For you. Yeah, it was a long series. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think typically we do series that are more like four to six weeks. And it, there's strategic reasons for it. Like you think about where people are typically going to step into a series or when there are moments of transition in the year naturally. So think the mm-hmm. fall or christmas time or the first of the year or lent or you know and so um usually kind of this like couple month runway is a little unique um and so and then you have this also this thing in the summertime i learned at menlo where just everybody leaves (laughs) like every and people told me about it but i was like "Ah, i've heard that before you know and you're like oh everybody and they don't leave like to go to the ocean because they're here they leave and they're like we're gonna go to europe for a month and a half Mm -hmm. whoa and shout out to menlo uh folks they they still stay connected like they're watching online they're connecting with their uh life group um (laughs) but uh it's just a yeah it's a unique thing so it it gives us a chance to have kind of a longer conversation because we're not assuming uh that everybody is with us every single week and then there are you know the, the crew that is. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully they feel like they get a thoughtful, comprehensive conversation that's longer than what we're able to do during the year. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Jess and I were talking the other day uh, how we're going to have to do a mobile podcast at some point because at this point, I think 23% oh, yeah. of our listeners are global. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's probably because of, for the summer, right, right. people yeah, all over right, the world. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. But I mean, any excuse you can use to yeah. get to. Sure. Yeah. Let us know where you are. We'll come visit you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. Speaking of budgets, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're looking for some benefactors. <laughs> yeah. uh, I really appreciate the announcement that we made too about how when we when people partner with us and yeah. give, they're also giving to things, giving to organizations, and part of that was Maui Relief. For and sure. so, I know that's been heavy on a lot of people's hearts. Um, it's that place. There's so many ties that people at Menlo have. Um, to Maui and even to Lahaina. I mean, you were just there. Right. My family, extended family's there. So I'm so glad that we were able to help mm-hmm. in that way. And I really appreciated how you framed that and how you set that up. Well, and Dan, who is the pastor at uh, First Pres in Honolulu, uh, mm-hmm. is a former staff member at Menlo, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just a great man. And he had texted me um, kind of just in the back and forth conversation about what was going on. And he said, hey, here's what we're doing. Uh, if Menlo wants to be a part of it, let me know. And I know that Cheryl and the team had been kind of thinking about and talking about how we would respond. Right. And uh, I, it's, Cheryl was on vacation, but I had like sent a message to her and Scott and I was somewhere else. 
And, uh, but it was literally a text chain within 10 minutes. She had like reached out. She's like, Hey, this is the number that we can do. Here's how we do it. Here's, and it was done. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so I just think that, um, yeah, I think that the church is supposed to respond that way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, when there's need, uh, the church is supposed to go, Hey, we say yes. And then we figure out how, and, uh, and really the figure out how part at Menlo is the generosity of people that call Menlo home and uh, have a plan to support what God's doing here financially. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes that's an easy decision, right? Like when things are good, even in your own personal financial life, I bet you have some instances like that. That's why you create margin, right? So that uh, you'll hear me say this line eventually, we should never resist a generous impulse. Like as a person, as a follower of Jesus, I think one of our spiritual practices that I would just say, never resist a generous impulse. If you feel like something inside of you is saying, cover that check, cover it. If you feel like something Mm -hmm. inside of you says, I should help that family, help that family. Um, and I think one of the disciplines financially we, we can do is to live life with margin. Mm-hmm. Because when we do that, we can make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're th- that decision's easy when you're doing it from your surplus. That decision's hard when you're not. And so um, I think candidly at Menlo right now, we are uh, you know in a period of adjustment financially. And so we will finish our fiscal year here in a week and a half or so. Um, and we are significantly behind the expected giving that we thought we would have at the beginning of the year. And there's lots of reasons for that. Um, and we've made adjustments and all that stuff. But I think um, it would be very easy in seasons like this to say, you know what, that like 10% that we give away as a church to be generous elsewhere, let's let's just pull that back. Right. And uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that I'm proud about is that our board's like, no, no, that part's unshakable. We're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, uh, we've given significantly more than 10% uh, to partnerships and organizations around the world. So this is one more opportunity to do that. And um, yeah, it's just been a, a really, uh, I think, special opportunity um, for us to to care for a church and care for a community uh, that the need's not going to go away tomorrow, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the great things when you have a relationship with organizations that you're supporting. It's not just the financial investment, it's the relational investment mm-hmm. to say, hey, we're praying for you, we care about you. In a month when you need something else, we're still here. In six months when you need something else, we're still here. In two years, when the world has moved on, but you're still trying to, we're still here. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this was a great first step to be able to do that. And yeah, our family was in Lahaina literally two and a half weeks mm-hmm. ago. Um, and I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like I don't take a bunch of pictures with my phone. I try to like be present in the moment and I have a handful of pictures from mm. downtown Lahaina mm-hmm. that like with our family. And I'm like, I, w- I wish I would have taken more pictures and I'll treasure those pictures. Right. I got a hat that says Lahaina on mm-hmm. it. Like there are things like that, that you just kind of go like, this is surreal that it's yeah. just for now kind of off the map. Uh, but the people who live there aren't and finding a place that's safe for them and gives them answers for what's next. We're certainly praying mm-hmm. as they navigate those difficult conversations. Yeah. yeah. Our thoughts and our prayers go out to those that are affected and uh, thank you if you have given and supported what Menlo is doing yeah. here yes. because you've directly helped and support those that are there. Absolutely. So, and that's just, I mean, that, that theme of trying to address needs that might not go away tomorrow that's a lot of what this series has been about as well. We're trying to solve the problem of people re-examining their faith through a lifelong process and trying to get in the mindset of how to do that without being hypercritical or judgmental. And that's not an easy thing for us to learn. So Phil, what have you, um, what have you learned in this series? I mean, we have been in this for eight weeks now, nine weeks now? 
think long it was time. eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. Nine. long time. Yeah. Um, and so we've, we've concluded that this weekend. And so did it go like how you wanted it to yeah. go? Like, were, was this planned out? And you, were like, you tired of it at yeah. the end? <laughs> now no, that we're I, at the end. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that if you're listening to the podcast, you're interested in this kind of stuff probably. It was really two series. So we called it one, but mm-hmm. there was like a longer series at the beginning that followed a pretty classic form. So is yeah. it true? What was the real story? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we had the flannel graph on stage. We, like th- there was a there was a model that we were following for the first five weeks, mm-hmm. and then we made this shift to um, first kind of this like bigger conversation around war and conflict, and then an individual in Solomon, and then this mm-hmm. pretty unique talk at the end. This is not the talk. Uh, the talk that I gave this last weekend was not the final talk I thought I would give at the mm. beginning of the series. I had a different talk in mind. And as the series took shape, especially when it's this long, you're kind of like, hey, I think there's an opportunity for us uh, to hopefully give a talk that you kind of hope and pray you can give in a way that has some shelf life, that uh, maybe somebody, they're like, well, I didn't need this now, but they're going to need it in six months. Mm -hmm. Or, hey, I have some friends, and I've already heard about this. I have some friends that would never come to a church again, um, but they actually really need to hear this. And Mm -hmm. so you kind of just... In the providence of God, you go, oh, God, whatever you need to do with this. You know, I got a note um, last night from somebody who came to church um, with kids. One of the kids, pretty young, one of the kids, pretty passionate follower of Jesus, one really not interested. And when I talked about how doubt could be a part of your faith, she like perked up and was Mm. in for the rest of it. Oh, awesome. And they had brought um, uh, two friends with them who had, I think, just come into the States uh, from China and were not Christians. Hmm. And for them, like, you know, you kind of think, whoa, this is a very different introduction to faith, right? Yeah. Uh, so whether it's that or somebody at a campus, like processing a conversation that they've tried to push away for a while, I hope, you know, what, I, what I'm trying to often do in situations like this is to create uh, the middle ground where we can really find hope in a relationship together. There's a group of people mm-hmm. that go, hey, deconstruction isn't a phase, it's the destination, my faith is gone forever. And then there's a group of people that I think go, Dis- uh, deconstruction is the enemy, just, just ask mm-hmm. no questions. And so to say, no, no, inspecting our faith is really important. As a matter yeah. of fact, I would say it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're like, the, I'm never gonna do that, you should do that. But it's also a phase, so if you've, if you've done that, um, and then you're kind of like, well, I walked away from, I'm saying like, there, there's more to discover. There's, there's a, a next step for you if you're willing to take it. And so hopefully we did that. And, um, you know, I, I never want to speak, uh, about people or a group of people, uh, with this sense that like, they're not in the room with us, <laughs> that they're not listening. And so trying to be kind and intellectually honest and charitable, mm-hmm. um, I hope we were able to achieve that. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the series was really fun. Shout out to Jessica Havens for the genesis of the, of the uh, <laughs> series. Uh, but there's some great talks. You know, I think our, our like a bunch of folks spoke in it. Shout out mm-hmm. to Adam Hendricks, Scott, Cheryl, myself. Um, and so that was fun too to be able to hear kind of different takes and voices mm-hmm. um, around each of those stories. Uh, and then, you know, it'll be fun because I was getting notes from people like, why didn't you do this one? Why didn't you do this one? You know? <laughs> and so, like, he did yeah, the whole Bible, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're just doing a whole. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think, 
you know, that that's fun for me. Uh, I, I think that I'm having to recalibrate at Menlo that when I say, hey, here's a book that I'm recommending, a bunch of people are going to read it. Uh-huh. That's unique, if you don't know that. Um, and then I think some of the ideas around, when I was in Colorado, the kind of core assumption was most people that were most likely to be in church would identify as Republican. Hmm. And I think that assumption still kind of lives in me sometimes, even though I, I intellectually know it's not true. It's kind of a muscle memory. Sure. And so at Menlo, it's, it's uh, yeah, I would say it's much more um, divided, much more even split. Hmm. And so just naming that for people, because we still do kind of socialize with people that affiliate in the same mm-hmm. political sphere as we do. So mm-hmm. trying to, you know, poke at that without... Um, yeah, without Popping it. Beco- yeah, <laughs> without becoming <laughs> off-putting. So, yeah, and I was thinking of that as you're just sharing because I think in this message you said something. If this is there's going to be a time in this message where you're going to email me, and now's that time. <laughs> yeah, that was so good. And there were some people <laughs> online that were like, "I'm just going to send him an email, like just because." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you said to email you, but yeah, yeah. 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 yep. So how did you originally think you're going to wrap it this series? And then how did you get to, and why did you get to how you actually ended up wrapping uh, up the series? I, I had a hunch that at the end of the series, there would be some, either some stories that we weren't able to finish the way we wanted, or some, um, I think probably like the common themes of, hey, when we think about a biblical narrative just a reminder, here's how biblical narratives work. Mm-hmm. And as you study from now on in the way you think about biblical narratives, here's the lessons we've learned over the last several weeks together that you can apply into the way you understand the scriptures. And by the way, this is really one genre, like of multiple genres in the Bible. So you can't take the narrative study approach and <clears> bring <throat> that to the letters of the New Testament mm-hmm. or apocalyptic literature in sure. Revelation or Daniel or wisdom literature in Proverbs. They all take a different um, set of lenses in the way we think about and specifically interpret them. We can take them, uh, we can understand the scriptures literally <laughs> without mm-hmm. taking them literally because mm-hmm. not every genre is designed to be taken that way. So um, anyway, so that I think that's probably more early on in the series the way that mm-hmm. I thought it was going, but I think... Um, we were just kind of nibbling around the edges of this deconstruction conversation. And I was like, I think we've kind of set the table. And I did a lot of conversations, especially around hypocrisy and politics, uh, kind of during 2020, 2021, a little bit in 2022 Mm -hmm. in Colorado. And I had really never done a talk like that here. Uh, And it felt like this was not going to feel like it was out of left field. I dropped enough hints along the Mm -hmm. way that I felt like this was a good setup. and people would be ready for it, and, and people have responded really well. So, great. You talked about how deconstruction, and I think you mentioned this on the podcast before. It's not a new thing; like it's just been called spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is that changed it? That why do we use the term deconstruction mm-hmm. nowadays, and why is it wildly popular, and why is it no one calling it spiritual formation anymore? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think part of that is because, um, y- you know. Every generation wants to believe, out of their own pride, uh, <laughs> that they are unique and different. Mm. And so that's why, like, we wear the same clothes stylistically of decades ago, but we're like, we're doing it just different enough, <laughs> you know? And like, my NASCAR shirt's 30 years yeah, old. Yeah, 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 yeah right. And so uh, I, I think nice. Um, nice for throwback. people that have been around for a while, people in their, uh, you know, 50s, 60s, and beyond, they're like, I remember wearing that when I was 20 years old. Like, mm-hmm. you guys are not new or different, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think deconstruction is probably a version of that, sort of the nonconformist tendency of our 20s. 
think we're all, um, you know, we're all sort of wrestling with what um, our own independence looks like in that. I also think that um, sort of this identity as the new idolatry thing means that there are very few transitional components of our life that we don't find a community and feel cultural pressure to stay in that community for. So um, it feels disloyal in our cultural moment to say, here's a thing I'm going through, but I will not always be there. I'm gonna go through it mm. and I'm gonna be something else. No, no, now that I'm going through it, there are other people going through it and going through it mm -hmm. becomes how we are. And I would say what I, modern identity movement does mm. is uh, it asks us to take how we are and turn it into who we are. And that's a weight that our identity actually um, is not designed to carry. Our identity is who we are, our, our most core identity, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, is that you're created in the image of God with infinite dignity, value, and worth. Um, and so like, I, I would say that when we remove that, we're, we're kind of uh, sort of grabbing in the dark for what is our, our other identity option and I think for some of us, if we grew up in faith, and there's good reasons for it. Like, I don't want to poo-poo it. Like, hey, I experienced church hurt or trauma. Um, I saw hypocrisy yeah. head on. Faith was seen as uh, this option, opportunity without any doubt whatsoever, and I couldn't relate to that. I watched mm. politics eat church alive for me. Like, those are – I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Uh, but rather than getting to the other side of that, that just becomes the end goal. Um, and so, and then I think, you know, we could, speaking of politics, right, we can look at basically any other sphere and we can find some of the same um, sort of, uh, let's call them identity replacements, these pseudo identities. And I think in that landscape, uh, deconstruction has become another pseudo identity. Mm. It's my, it's my, uh, my quick take. Yeah. I think part of it, too, is just the resources we have at our fingertips now, too, like mm -hmm. being able to hear from different speakers and read different books and read different articles and all of that stuff makes it so easy to hear all the different perspectives and go, wait, which one do I actually want to latch well, on to? And I think if you do that, especially online, and you're unaware of what is happening underneath it, mm -hmm. uh, it's very easy. Like the algorithms are giving you more of what you are watching or mm -hmm. what you are listening to. Mm -hmm. And so this this was really being popularized when the new atheist movement came around kind of post 9-11. Uh, guys like Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins. And, um, and what happened, you're right, like I no longer had to go to that that college to listen to that lecture of that prominent atheist. I could go listen. And it was like mm -hmm. I could go listen to brutal takedowns mm -hmm. of Christian arguments by mm -hmm. th those particular voices. And then I think what you've watched is uh, the new atheist movement has kind of become the old atheist movement. Like it's, it's just not as uh, prominent as it was before. But I think in its place kind of grew deconstructionism, in its place – um, grew progressive Christianity. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say, if you are watching things, reading things, listening to things, and it feels like, how could anyone disagree with this? You are probably in an echo chamber. Mm. <laughs> and so, uh, like being in an echo chamber, being able to set, step back and go, hey, what are the voices that I'm not hearing? Because there are like very intelligent, very thoughtful people on both sides mm -hmm. of all of these conversations. Mm -hmm. And so if you're like, well, only stupid people could think, believe, et cetera, you are probably only listening to a caricatured version of the other side. Mm -hmm. That's really that's really fascinating. It reminds me of how you shared after the, the first message in the series um, about 
the creation story, or maybe it wasn't the first, but earlier message, the creation narrative and having conversations back to back with people yeah. who were thinking, how could other people believe this? And oh, they were yeah. flipping sides the whole yeah. time. For sure. <laughs> yep. Like I could love anybody, but like young earthers, Ugh. I could, <laughs> I could, man, I could be in relationship with anybody, but mm-hmm. theistic evolutionists. Ooh. Yeah. 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 It's was, it was pretty amusing. <laughs> what else would you want? Did he leave anything off the table? Um, so I I think, so the intro that I used was this metaphor of houses, Mm -hmm. um, and the way that people in Northern California, because there's no more like real estate available, the Mm -hmm. way we all think about houses and they get treated. Um, but the other opening illustration that I tinkered with and I had actually written, which is not normally me actually, usually when I'm putting pen to paper, that's what I'm going to say. Mm. Um, uh, but I had written it all out was, uh, I had a friend whose uh, father-in-law who'd passed away was uh, very, very wealthy. And he was on a huge farm and he's like taking me around and we go into this old barn and he was a car collector. And uh, he like, was like, let me show you this thing. So there's all these classic cars, beautiful, beautiful, dozens of them. And he pulls off a sheet of one of the cars and it's, it's an original Model T. Whoa. And I was like, what? Oh I mean, gosh. that it, it's crazy. If you've never seen one, go Google it, it's amazing. And here's the thing that I think was like so hard for me as a car person. Mm-hmm. His father-in-law had been gone for several years and it was obvious that no one had touched mm. any of these cars. Mm. And what I knew is none of those cars could run now. Yep. And so they were all gonna need massive work if you ever wanted to use them again. Um, but like, I, th- it, it would have not taken that much work. And for his father-in-law, it was probably a labor of love. Like he wanted to do the work right. yeah. to take those cars out and drive around and yeah. do the things that keep them going. And I think uh, for some of us, the reason that we deconstruct is because like <coughs> somewhere along the way, our faith just becomes a car in our collection, like a collector car. And we, we drive it less and less. Maybe we drive it on Sundays. Maybe we take it out for special occasions. But then after a while, it kind of sits in the back and we put a sheet on it. And just like that Model T, the less we use it, the more work it's going to take to begin using it again. And I mm. think for a lot of people that drift into deconstruction um, or drift out of faith entirely, I think that is th- their their faith has become a collector's item. Uh, mm. And so I think trying to challenge, especially Christians who would say, I am a Christian, that's the way I identify, but my life does not identify me as that. Just this mm. cautionary tale of like, Let's not let it become this thing in the corner. Like our faith is designed to be a daily driver. It's supposed mm. to be the thing that we're in every day. And so uh, I hope, um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that people got a sense of that as well. But that was so directed towards kind of like one person. And I felt like the house stuff was going to let me mm-hmm. build a bigger base for more audience. So, Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you need someone to drive your classic Porsches, you can <laughs> text us yeah, right yeah, now. Absolutely, please. And I would love for you to do so. Yeah, I'm a really good driver. I'm a really good driver. I'd be terrified to do that. Yeah. Don't text me. There's somebody There's somebody at Menlo who uh, I've gotten to know them well, and uh, they have a like a beautiful old Porsche, actually. Mm-hmm. And I've always mm-hmm. just kind of seen it and been like, you know, I'm just cool. I don't say anything, whatever. It sits in their garage. And, uh, and he was like, hey, offer's open. Oh, Anytime my gosh. Anytime you want to drive it. And I was like. But the same kind of like I really want to, and I'm also a little scared. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's it wasn't a classics classic, but I was during COVID. I was house sitting um, for well, not really house sitting. I was living in someone's house as they were in Hawaii. Nice doing COVID there with their family, and they had a 
couple cars that needed to be driven as well. And every time I drove one of their, it's like one was a, like a 70s Porsche, one was like a Land Cruiser. So like comfortable, not like super classic classics, right, but right. like more. Classic more, enough. Yeah, classic yeah. enough for me to get a they little like Toyota nervous. Camrys. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't my forerunner <laughs> yeah. or, or Missy's Corolla. My 1984 <laughs> Toyota Corolla, yeah, exactly. my first nice. gold yeah, car. Nice. Yeah. But I, I remember every time I drove it, I was like, Getting a little nervous yeah, here. Don't mess yeah. This up, don't mess this don't up. Mess this yeah. up don't uh-huh. mess this up. That was so fun. Um, well, Phil, where are we headed from here? So, deconstruction, yeah. mm-hmm. we've done it. We've solved the mysteries. <laughs> now everyone all is now fully constructed uh, yep. again. Yeah, yep. yeah. Reconstruction commence. That's um, the next series. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that would, we actually did a series in Colorado called Reassembly Required. That was a kind of Oh, oh nice. Um, yeah, so, uh, and I would just give one more shout out to that book that I mentioned mm-hmm. called After Doubt by A.J. Swoboda. Uh, if you are if you get to the end of this and you're like, I really want to dig more into some of this, uh, it was just an excellent, excellent book. It feels very current. Uh, if you're on the West Coast, he's a professor up in Portland. And mm-hmm. so I, I think he just speaks with a level of intellectual honesty and I would say what feels like cultural awareness. Um, Can I give a shout out to you? Yes, of course. Um, you mentioned Mere Christianity yeah, by yeah. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Classic. Yeah. If you haven't read that, you have to or read it again. But there are a there's a series on YouTube that animates the entire book. Oh wow! So <gasps> think about Bible Project, what? like That's how so they cool. animate the you know stories. There's something very similar to that, Dude, only for that. Lewis. Yeah. It's not the. I think there are a few chapters that are left out. Yeah. But for a layman like me to actually understand what Lewis is trying to say, it's that's Perfect. so cool. You're going to drop it in the show notes? Sure. I'm that's literally I'll, writing, texting I'll you link, right now to remember yeah, to I'll do link, that. <laughs> I'll link it to the first video or to the playlist in which it is. That's great. It's that's really good. It's a fantastic resource. That's really good. Uh, yeah, so over the next few weeks, here's what we've got going on. This weekend is big weekend. So uh, we have the Finder Spot Volunteer Fair happening at all of our campuses, which is in preparation for us to, to launch third services at all of our campuses in a little over a month. Uh, and so that'll be super fun and hopefully have a great vibe around campuses. And if you've been kind of wondering like, hey, we're going to get involved, we're going to take a step towards greater involvement, but we want to wait till the kids get back in school. We want to wait till we're back from summer plans. Like we see you, we're ready for it. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we're going to be challenging folks and the team's done a great job of helping that first step of getting involved become, I think, um, a much smoother step. And so hopefully you'll experience that. Uh, and I will be talking about uh, kind of this focus that we're going to have this year of celebrating Menlo's 150th birthday. Uh, and not just, hey, here's some cool stuff about the past, but because these things have been true of our past, this is kind of in our bones as a mm-hmm. church, is in our DNA. And so what does that mean for the future? And so I think that's going to be great. So I'll talk about that. I'll talk about um, the kind of volunteer uh, fair that we'll hold at our campuses. We've got a, a couple other things that we're going to have a chance to um, forecast that we're going to be doing as a part of Menlo 150 that you won't want to miss. Uh, and then um, the week after, we'll start a series called Teach Us to Pray. Uh, and I think it's just a like when people go, hey, I just don't know how to pray. I think that's such a, a fun question or a fun challenge because Jesus' disciples who were with him all the time, mm-hmm. asked the exact same question. They were like, hey, Jesus, can you show us how to pray? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm sure mm-hmm. to him, he was like, I do it all the time, fellas. <laughs> yeah. like, have you not been paying attention? Have you not been here? Have you been dozing? Um, Judas, I'm looking at you. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Judas, tune in, buddy. Tune in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so um, he gives 
this prayer, I mean, what's funny is Jesus specifically says, don't just pray things for repetition. And then we take the prayer that he's used to (laughs) teach us Mm -hmm. and we use it repetitively, (laughs) which it's a different conversation. But that prayer you know of, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom become your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer is actually like a table of contents for the way we can think about prayer. What are the Mm. components of prayer that Mm. we should offer? And so we're gonna take a few weeks in that series and hopefully just give people a framework of prayer. And what's really great, I think, about Jesus' framework of prayer is that it is is applicable for someone who's learning to pray for the very first time, like Mm -hmm. it will be extremely helpful for you. And it's applicable, right? The text is living and active, uh, sharper than any double-edged sword. It is helpful and applicable to the person that's been following Jesus for 70 years, mm-hmm. and they're going, man, my, my prayer life has stalled, right? Mm-hmm. God's going to surface for you something out of that lesson that he, he gave to his disciples 2,000 years ago that can help you um, take another step in your prayer life as well. So we'll be in that immediately following this weekend. That's so, great. Yeah. I have a serious pitch. I'm ready. It's called There's No Stupid Questions, mm-hmm. and it t- goes through the disciples and all their stupid questions that they asked Jesus. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> hey, Je- hey, Jesus, can I sit next to your yeah. right hand in your kingdom? <laughs> yeah. What? what? What are you at? <laughs> Stop talking. Yeah. Stop talking. <laughs> yeah. That's really fun. Yeah. I'm very looking forward to that prayer series. Mm-hmm. Um, this time right here, candidly, is probably my favorite time of the week. But we've also been doing an a nine fifteen to nine forty five on Monday mornings where our volunteer prayer team will come in. It's open to central staff, whoever else wants to join. And that's creeping up on my favorite time of the week. Oh nice. wow. And so one of the things that I've just loved um and, and really appreciate is we have someone in there, Carol. She's great. And how she prays and how she talks to God is like someone that's talked to God for like 50 years. Oh, I love it. And it, I don't even think that she's cognizant of it. She is but, now because you just yeah. said <laughs> But it's just like, I am I want to be that when I'm, like I want to mm-hmm. have that kind of sure. prayer life. Yeah, it's just yeah. awesome. So for, for those that might be starting that journey or don't know how to start that journey, oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's cool. Very exciting. Phil, anything else? Anything you want to leave us with? Um, I mean, I, I think um, I would say that if the process of deconstruction is not a thing that in your life you are currently wrestling with, there is someone in your life who is. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. the encouragement that I would give is sometimes we don't listen to things we don't think are relevant to us. Uh, but if you didn't listen this weekend or maybe you kind of listened and it was just in one year out the other, um, those, those principles of the role that doubt and overly political faith and hypocrisy can actually play in our spiritual sort of reconstruction, uh, those are really important principles. And uh, whether you, whatever your process is for um, thinking about and concentrating, I would do that for those things so that when natural conversations come up w- with that kid that you used to see in student ministry or that family that you used to see around a lot and then COVID hit and now they don't show up anymore and they're not at another church. They're just kind of doing life without God as a core framework. Um, not so that you can preach to them, but so hopefully you can offer 
directed compassion to them. Uh, this is, I hope, something that God will use. And then we're getting ready um, because at the end of September, so after the Teach Us to Pray series, we are aligning with a whole bunch of churches in the Bay Area to do an Exploring Christianity series uh, that mm -hmm. may be a great opportunity to invite mm -hmm. some of those same people. If in the meantime, you're praying for them, you're investing in them relationally, that you might be able to invite them uh, to that kind of an experience. So I know we're all in the throes of here's what I need and here's what's in front of us for our family. And it's a very, it's a very easy time to just kind of hunker down. Um, but who is on the line for you to not do mm -hmm. that for? Who in your life are you willing to be inconvenienced that they might be able to find faith or find it again? So that would be my final takeaway from the series. Okay. It's kind of a cool like on ramp almost of with the teach us to pray series we've been talking a little bit about like we want to teach our folks to pray specifically for the explore god series and for the people who are going to come and for the people who we want to invite so i just love that it's like kind of connected because i've i've been having those same thoughts of like who you know i have people in my life that i'm like they're not going to come but that's not up to me right. <laughs> like if i'm not sitting there praying for that then that's not going to happen and so i'm excited to like take the opportunity of four weeks of teach us to pray and like you said like i've been a christian my whole life and i could for sure use a refresher on prayer and so using that series to take some time not only to learn about prayer but also to then apply it and pray for the next series and all the people who not even just at menlo but i think it's like at least 50 churches yeah. that are doing this mm -hmm. series across the bay area and just a, what a cool opportunity that we get to spend time in prayer prepping for that series so i'm really excited for that yeah what well, i think about i think about that portion of the lord's prayer your kingdom come your mm -hmm. will be done on earth as it is in heaven and uh we go, well, what's God's will? And then you jump over to First Peter and it says, he's not willing that any would perish, that, but that all would come to know him, you know? And God's perfect will, this idea that like he died so that people could actually turn to and know him. And so uh, we know that the personal decision that someone makes to follow Jesus is not in our hands. We're responsible for uh, seed planting and God is the one that actually does the growth. Um, but I think sometimes we go, well, I'm not really responsible for growth, so I guess I do nothing. And it's like, whoa, let's... Let's actually read through this. And mm -hmm. uh, not only are we praying that God would change someone's circumstance, change their heart, change their openness to a different kind of life with him in the middle of it, mm -hmm. we're also, honestly, I think, praying for our heart, that we would have the aptitude, the desire, the appetite to be able to care enough about someone's not just temporal next step in this life, but their eternal destiny, mm -hmm. that we would be inconvenienced, that we would be uh, willing to take a risk. And I think Menlo has been around 150 years because a lot of men and women have taken a lot of risks, uh, and now it's our turn. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I'm excited for that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I'm excited for Sunday, Volunteer Fair. Yeah. What campus are you going to be at? I will be at the Mountain View Ooh, campus. I'll be down in Saratoga, so come say hi. Okay. Really excited to talk to all the people. Yeah. <laughs> Very excited. Learn about all the things. That's good. And I'll be in Menlo Park. Great. It's so, a great idea. Yeah. yeah. That's where I'll be. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Thank everybody. Texas, if you need anything. See ya. <laughs>